Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 17. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. To understand Revelation chapter 17, we need to start, give me your attention, at the beginning. And I really mean the beginning. In Genesis, you might know, of course you do, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham had a son named Cush. Genesis chapter 10, verse 8 through 10, Cush beget Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel in the land of Shinar. Now, if you are taking notes, I should hope you are this morning. The name Nimrod means the revolt. The revolt, or we will revolt. And so Genesis tells us, here in our text, Genesis tells us that Nimrod became a mighty hunter before the Lord. This verse better translates, Nimrod became a mighty hunter, not before the Lord, but in defiance of the Lord, or in rebellion against the Lord, or in the face of the Lord. Nimrod was a rebel against God, and Nimrod decided to engage in a building project known as the Tower of Babel. Now, Genesis chapter 11, verse 4, come let us build ourselves a city, Nimrod said, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the Tower of Babel, I often think about like, you know, like a really big tower, like, a, a, like the Washington Monument. I think of like this big, super huge building that's reaching up to heaven, up into the heavens, and this really big tower, the Sunday school pictures of the Tower of Babel, and You know, maybe I've even seen like staircases that go up in eternity on and on into heaven. And that's what we think of many times when we think of the Tower of Babel. But it wasn't a tower that reaches heaven. It was a tower, understand, unto heaven. A tower unto heaven. In many respects, they were building an astrological observatory. And this is the beginning of the New Age movement. This is where men began to look to the stars for the future. 
and the beginning of Nimrod's Babylonian kingdom in Shinar. And of course, you know it. It was there at the Tower of Babel that God confused their languages and spread the people all over the earth. Now, you say to me, Rodney, why would you take us to the Tower of Babel? Well, listen, because in Hebrew, it's Babel. In Greek, you guessed it, it's Babylon. Interesting. Babylon is mentioned 287 times in the Bible. There is no other city mentioned more often except Jerusalem. In the Bible, Babylon is mentioned 287 times. Now, Nimrod. Nimrod had a wife. Her name was Semiramis. Semiramis, well, Nimrod was killed. And you may know this from your history. Nimrod was killed by a wild boar. And when he died, his wife, Semiramis, put ashes on her head and she mourned. It, it, the history tells us that she didn't engage in any pleasures. She didn't party. She mourned for 40 days. She mourned the death of her husband. But then she discovered that she was pregnant. And Semiramis declared that it was a miraculous conception and that her dead husband Nimrod had been conceived inside of her. In other words, now her husband becomes her son. This is what she declared. It was springtime. In celebration of this miraculous pregnancy, she had an egg of gold made, and she called it the golden egg of Ashtart. The Babylonians would celebrate her pregnancy by coloring eggs and worshiping little chocolate rabbits. <laughs> which was a symbol. Why y'all laughing? Huh? Which was a symbol of fertility. The baby is born and Semiramis names him Tammuz. And the Babylonian religion becomes centered around the worship of Semiramis, the queen of heaven, and her deified son, Tammuz, the sun god. And the ancient mystery Babylon religion is born with the worship of the queen of heaven and her son, Tammuz. Now, at this time, Semiramis claimed that Tammuz was born on December 25th. She claimed he was born on December 25th, and so they began to worship by burning logs. And they called it, in Babylonian, the Yule. The Yule. And in honor of Tammuz, guess what? The next day, they would decorate live evergreen trees with lights and bulbs and silver and gold and tinsel well, now later the priesthood, the Babylonian priesthood was formed and the high priest was robed in scarlet and he wore a crown in the shape of a fish on his head with the words inscribed, keeper of the gate. Because Babel, write this down, means, it means the gate of God. And the high priest was an absolute authority. The other priests were commanded to be celibate. They would burn incense and sprinkle holy water and direct the people to worship the queen of heaven and her son, Tammuz. And this religion 
and the cult of the mother-son worship spread all over the land and it spread to every culture. Semiramis and Tammuz of Babylon became Ashtaroth and Baal or Baal in the land of Canaan. Venus and Cupid to the Romans, Eros and Aphrodite to the Greeks, and Isis and Horus to the Egyptians. And, it, and in China, it became known also as the Mother Sing Moon in China. So this mother-son worship spread all over the world. Now, the Babylonians, or Babylon, was the seat of satanic worship. The seat of satanic worship until it was conquered by the Medo-Persians, or the Medes and the Persians, in 539 B.C. And then it moved from Babylon to Pergamos. Now, you might remember, if you were here in our study in Revelation chapter 2, verse 13, the church at Pergamos, it reads, I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is. Well, then we fast forward to 513 A.D. Pergamos became part of the Roman Empire. The Babylonian cult moved again, this time to the city of power. What city is that? Rome. And then another turn happened. 313 AD, Constantine was battling to become the emperor of Rome. While battling for power, he claimed that he saw a huge flaming cross in the heavens and he heard a voice in this sign, conquer. And he became the emperor and he gave Christians freedom to worship. 329 AD, trek with me, after Constantine won the battle and became the emperor of Rome, he declared Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. But the influences of the Babylonian culture or of Babylon had already taken place and taken hold in the church, and many of the church practices were taken from the Babylonian religion. And the keeper of the gate, or in Latin, Pontiff Maximus, retained his title. And they kept wearing the fish-shaped hat and the scarlet robe and claiming supreme power and authority. They remained celibate and kept sprinkling people with holy water. The springtime holiday became known as Ishtar, or we know it as Easter. And the winter holiday, when they burned the Yule log and decorated the evergreen tree, was given the name Christmas or solstice to celebrate in the church the birth of Jesus. Now that is the history of Easter and Christmas. Easter and Christmas are pagan holidays taken from the Babylonian culture. And my Easter and my Christmas will never be the same now. And neither will yours. Taken from the Babylonian culture. Now, here in chapter 17, the mystery of Babylon must come to an end and the false church must be destroyed. Last week in Revelation chapter 16 verse 19, it reads, Great Babylon was remembered before God. 
to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. This morning in chapter 17, we're going to see the ultimate total devastation of the false religious system. Revelation chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. And then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls came and talked with me, me who John, Pastor John, saying to me, come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Underline that, would you? With whom, in verse 2, the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so he carried me, John, away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, underline that. Matter of fact, underline woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the name of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, underline that having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And then I, John, saw the woman drunk, underline this, with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I was amazed. And I marveled with great amazement. Stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. Remember last week in chapter 16, verse 7, we saw these angels. And these angels were given bowls or vials. And inside the bowl, inside the vials, were the wrath of God ready to be poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. Now, one of those angels... We know from our text, John says, talk with me and said, come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot that sits on many waters. And John is shown the woman who is riding the beast. Now, we talked about this. The book of Revelation is not a difficult book to understand. Why? Because it is the only book in the Bible that has its own, you guessed it, divine outline. It's found where? Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. You've heard this before. It's a three-section outline. And in that third, in that final section, we come to a time when God is not only judging the world, but he is judging a religious system. That's where we are. It's called in your Bibles the Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. Now notice in our text, John sees a woman who is riding a beast. Now, who is the woman? The Bible is very clear. In this chapter, there are ten clues. You know what? The Lord does not want us to miss this. He doesn't want us to miss who the woman is. So in chapter 17, we have 10 
clues as to who the woman is. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, with all of its symbols, there is no other symbol more clearly defined than who this woman is. Who is she? God doesn't want us to miss it, and so he gives us 10 clues, 10 clues of which I'm going to give you really briefly. If you're taking notes, notice the first clue is we are told in verse 1 that she is a harlot or a prostitute or literally, bluntly, please forgive me, I'm not trying to be crude, she's a whore. Interesting. Now, the fact that God uses a a sexual symbol speaks of the fact that this is worship of God gone wrong. If you want to write down what this is, this harlot, this woman in verse 5, this is worship of God gone wrong. It speaks of unfaithfulness to God by someone who claims to honor God. The second clue we find in verse 15. The harlot has universal influence. Notice she sits on many waters. Fast forward to verse 15. And then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlots, where the harlot sits are the peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this woman, the angel said, the waters that you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, nations, multitudes, and languages. Many people all over the earth are affected by the teaching of this harlot organization. Notice the third clue in verse 3. She is seated upon the beast. This speaks of a relationship that she has over the political leader, the Antichrist of the last days. But that will flip-flop, and we'll see this in verse 16 and 17. That relationship will flip-flop. Notice she is riding the beast, but in verse 16 and 17, stay with me, the beast will turn on her. That relationship will flip-flop. We'll talk about it later. Verse 4, the fourth clue. The woman is obviously very wealthy and dressed in expensive clothing. Notice she was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls, thus making the woman very attractive to many people. And then in verse 4, the fifth clue again, she is holding a golden cup in her hand. And this is a symbol of divine activity. It looks godly and it looks true, but in reality, it's filled with false religion and abominable things and spiritual adulteries and idolatries. Verse 5 again, the sixth clue. She is called Mystery Babylon, the great mother of all harlots, with an S. You see that? Now, in your Bible, harlotry is said of people who claim to know God. With their lips, but their hearts are far from him. That's harlotry. And notice she gives birth to people who claim to follow God, but they are idolaters. The seventh clue in verse 5 again, she is the mother of prostitutes. In other words, other religious organizations follow the same eras and fall into the same idolatries and the same false teachings. The eighth clue, verse 6, note this. She is a persecutor of true believers in Christ. She is drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs, and she can't tolerate anyone who opposes her false system. She will have them killed. And then notice the ninth and the tenth clue. 
We find in verse 9, look at it. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And look at verse 18. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. This is the ninth and the tenth clue. We know that this woman, her headquarters, is located in the city of Rome. We know that. Now, give me your attention. You know, many of you know, that I have a Catholic background. I, as a kid, my mom, who I told you was a single parent, she put us in Catholic school because she wanted us to get a good education. She didn't really care for the religion. She, she cared that we would get a good education. And so, and we did. I mean, and we had some, some, some good, you know, education there in the Catholic schools. And, and, and I, I, the thing I remember most about Catholic schools, is those nuns, man, they would take a ruler and swat your knuckles in a heartbeat. When they, if you went to, raise your hand if you went to Catholic school. Okay, that's several of us. So y'all know, you went, those nuns would, if you got big knuckles like me, if you went to Catholic school, because they would, you holding that pen wrong. I mean, most people from a Catholic church and Catholic school, they have good penmanship. It's true. You write really pretty because you hold that pen wrong and the nuns will come by. What? Hold that pen right, boy. Yes, nice nun. (laughs) And so I have a Catholic background. What I'm going to talk to you about this morning might sound a bit disturbing. But please don't understand me to be Catholic bashing. I am not. The things we're going to talk about this morning, the things that I'm going to share with you, are irrefutable facts of history. It's very easy to uncover, very easy to discover. What we're going to talk about, you will find, is the truth of history. If you would take the time to look, you will see that the history of the Catholic Church isn't very bright. Now, when you put these 10 clues together, it is impossible to avoid concluding that this is a picture of the Roman Catholic Church. A picture of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, let's be clear about something before we get going out the gate. Let's be clear. Listen, when you talk about the Roman Catholic Church, listen, this is very important. When you talk about the Roman Catholic Church, you are not talking about Roman Catholic people. When you talk about the Roman Catholic Church, you're not talking about Roman Catholic people. You're talking about the papal order or the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church. You're not talking about the people. I know and you know that there are some very godly, wonderful Catholic people in the Catholic Church. We all know some. So all Catholic people are not bad. All Mormons are not bad. Some just don't really understand. Then they're not all bad. All Jehovah's Witnesses are not bad. All people from Calvary Chapel are not bad. Say amen. Amen. You're like, preach it, bro. That's right, man. I go to Calvary. I'm not bad. 
Not all the people are bad. Some are very godly people, and some don't really understand. When you're talking about the Roman Catholic Church, you're not talking about the people. The church is a reference to the papacy or the hierarchy and not the people. And it's very interesting because many Catholic scholars and many Catholic priests would read chapter 17 and would tell you that this is a picture of Rome, of the Roman Catholic Church. They would tell you, though, that this is pagan Rome. And that's a whole other Bible study. But they tell you that this is pagan Rome, not Rome as they know it. But many scholars admit that. Now, I believe that this isn't exclusively the Catholic Church. I believe this is also ecumenical ecclesiasticism, which is your word for today, which means one world church headed by the Roman church. To include Protestantism, pagan religions, cults, and other isms, and all of those who are not true believers during the tribulation, they will join the great harlot and are a part and will be a part of this Roman system of idolatry. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.